You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Kneel before Zod! Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. Let's get inside the AJHL as the uh, Inner Pipeline Cup Finals are set and getting ready to kick off this weekend. The Spruce Grove Saints on the road in Brooks uh, to take on the uh, Brooks Bandits uh, for the what will be the 10th year in a row. The AJHL champion will be either Spruce Grove or Brooks. Ridiculous. It's like having two dynasties going on at the exact same time, uh, almost. Uh, Brandon, you and Cheshire, the uh, voice of the Saints, joins me now. Brandon, uh, quite honestly, I mean, you have two teams. The Saints have won it five times. Brooks has won it nine times, all in the last nine years. It's it's a ridiculous uh, string of success for both of these clubs. Yeah, I mean, you said it. It's, it's almost like a dynasty going on, one in the north, one in the south, and they always tend to meet each other in the final. Um it's pretty exciting, honestly, from the perspective of a Saints organization. It's fun to always be part of that winning culture and go on that ride deep in the postseason. I'm sure the same thing on the Bandit side of things. And, you know, this year could be probably one of the toughest years to predict who's going to come out on top. Both teams are very, very evenly matched, five on five. Uh, maybe the goaltending will play a factor to special teams, the coaching. But it's going to be one heck of a series no matter which way you look at it. Well, I know the teams don't play each other a ton during the regular season. Uh, what was the record between the two clubs? So it was one and one. Uh, the Saints won at home back in October, and the Bandits won at home in November. But, I mean, they haven't played each other in 2019 at all. Like you said, they only see each other twice, and that happened to be back in November. And then, you know, all the pickups happen, the trade deadline happened, so... Mm-hmm. Really, both teams have a pretty different roster going into the final. And the path uh, to get to the final was a bit different for each club, too. Extra round for Spruce Grove, uh, but uh, made short work of their first-round opponent. Uh, and, and really, uh, quite honestly, the Bonneville Pontiacs, they were so good this season, the Saints steamrolled them and then got past uh, the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders after going down two games to none as well. So pretty impressive job by the Saints to get to the final uh, with their they had a couple of tough opponents along the way. Yeah, I mean, great job by the coaching staff, the management group to do that. Like you said, I mean, from an organizational perspective, I think we were pretty surprised to uh, get through the Bonneville Pontiacs as easy as it was. I think nobody from the entire AJHL community thought that would be a sweep. I take it back to game two in Bonneville, double overtime win. I also should mention the Saints were down 3 nothing, 15 minutes into that first period. They rallied back to tie it, forced double overtime, and then a fluky goal. I don't want to say a lucky goal, but Jordan Byro off the defenseman's shin pads and in the back of the net, and that brought the Saints a 2 nothing lead going back to Spruce Grove. And then I think the momentum kind of carried itself throughout the rest of the series, but that Game 2 double overtime win, definitely a big turning point in that series. Then you move on to the Sherwood Park Crusaders. It was it was pretty cool to be part of that. I mean, two Edmonton teams that haven't played each other in over a decade in the North Finals. Um, I think they were calling it the Suburb Series or the Battle of Highway 16. I mean, both barns were absolutely packed. It was about a 60% to 40% split of fans, usually on the home side. Um, but, you know, going in there and losing Game 1 and Game 2, going back to Spruce Grove down 2 nothing was was a little weird. Um, game one, I think the Saints did deserve that loss. They didn't play up to snuff. Game two, I don't think they deserve to lose in overtime. Uh, I mean, they outshot the Crusaders about 40-20 to 20 in that game, and I think the crew got some 
lucky bounce and they scored a beautiful overtime goal. But I think the Saints did have momentum going back home for games three and four. And I think that kind of carried itself in front of the hometown crowd. Saints uh, beating them, obviously, in, in games three, four, five, and six. And then moving on to, like you said, the AJHL final once again. What changed uh, after going down 2 nothing against uh, the Crusaders? I mean, you said game two, the Saints were the better team, and it sounds just by the, the shot count that that would be the case. But uh, to come get off, off the mat after being down 2 nothing, is it just change of scenery? You go home, play in front of your own fans, and kind of get uh, rejuvenated again? Yeah, I mean, change of scenery definitely had a huge part of it. You know as well as I do how much easier it is to play at home. You drive yourself there. You got your own dress. You're going to be on routine. Makes life a little easier. But uh, I think the coaching staff really didn't change much. I think they were pretty happy with the game two performance. They just needed to execute, put the puck in the back of the net a little bit better. Um, Brett Trentham, a guy that didn't play since November 28th, came back for game three. Um, he was a huge part of the championship win last year, a huge leader in the room and on the bench. And uh, not to say that that guy really contributed on the box score, but what he did behind the scenes, I think, really was that missing component that the Saints needed to be successful. And in saying that, he had a huge goal in Game 6 as well. All right, Brandon, let's uh, look at these two rosters uh, head-to-head a bit closer. And you mentioned goaltending, how it could be a factor. Matthew Davis in net for the Saints. He's got really strong numbers and has played a lot. He's got 14 games. He's seen 285 shots. He's got a 916 save percentage. Um, that's really impressive. And the uh, 181 goals against average. Compare that to Pierce Charlson with the Brooks Bandits, who I'm sure is a good goaltender, but boy, he's uh, got a, a sub 87% save percentage, and he's seen 100 fewer shots than Matthew Davis. On paper, this doesn't look like a very even comparison, uh, and very much in favor of the Saints. Is that fair? I mean, yes and no. Um, I think the Bandits struggled a little bit in the postseason with Cam Eagles and the Okotoks Oilers. They, of course, got that first round by, so Charleston did not face as many shots as Davis did. He wouldn't have had that per se, easier first round. Um, when we played against Pierce Charleston this year, he played both games against us, one in October and November. He was solid, um, but I'm not going to lie when I would support Matt Davis in saying that he is maybe the better of the two goaltenders. Um, he he was a little shaky, honestly, in, in that Bonneville series a little bit at the start. I think he kind of found his comfort zone, and ever since then he's kind of been on the ride with the rest of the group. He made some fantastic saves in Game 6 and even in Game 5 against the Crusaders to allow the Saints to hold on to their leads. But, you know, I would give the Saints maybe the upper edge on the goaltending battle, but it's not going to change the outcome of the series too, too much. I think a lot of other factors will contribute as well. Well, not a surprise when you look at the leading scorers in the AJHL, and uh, there's a lot of uh, Saints and Bandits, a lot of Okotoks Oilers as well in that top 20. Looking closer at the two rosters, the only... Well, the thing that jumps out at me the, the most is the age difference. There's just, I think there's only five players on the Bandits who are 18 years old or younger. Uh, and, uh, there's a lot of 20 year olds, a lot of 19 year olds, a couple of 21 year olds uh, on that Bandits team. So they're going to have, uh, a bit of an advantage in terms of experience and, and age and just maybe strength. Uh, how does, how do the Saints combat that? Uh, I think you talk about experience. I think although we do have a very young group in that Saints locker room, I think, the experience of that core going all the way to the finals in the Doyle Cup last year is really key to mentoring the younger group that came in this year and kind of setting them up and teaching them how to play in these big games, these big moments in the AJHL finals. So I think, yes, in terms of age, 
the Bandits do have the upper edge on experience, but in terms of winning AJHL championships in their locker rooms right now, I think the Saints do have that upper edge. Um, you look at a guy like TJ Lloyd, Dylan Borley, uh, Brett Trentum, Tanner Hickey, uh, all guys that were part of the core last year that are now part of the leadership group, uh, Jordan Byro, guys that I think really mentored the you know 16, 17-year-olds and are kind of leading the charge here. And then you look at a guy like Ryan Peckford that came back from the WHL midseason. Obviously, he's 19 years old, has some extensive playoff experience in the dub. He obviously a huge asset as well. So the experience is a factor, but I think that the Saints and Bandits, if anything, are pretty evenly matched at the end of the day. Does home ice play a, a big factor in this? We talked about it, how it was beneficial for the Saints to come back after going down 2 nothing to Sherwood Park. Uh, could be the situation again where they might have to use home ice to their uh, to their effect, but uh, you can't win the series without winning at least one game in Brooks. Exactly, you're correct. And, you know, going down to the CRA, it's a very tough place to play in. Um, it, it's tough. It's, it's like the St. Louis Blues playing in Winnipeg right now. It's a tough barn to play in. I mean, both teams are six hours away. You're not going to get, like we did in Sherwood Park, 40% Saints fans. You're maybe going to get 10% Saints fans. So those Bandit fans as well, you know, they know how to get under your skin, though. They'll yell at the goalies from the upper level. They'll, you know, let the coaches know from behind the glass. They'll bug the guys in the penalty box. They'll, you know, hum and haw at all the the calls that don't go their way. So it is a tough place to play in. But like you said, I mean, teams got to win one on the road if you're the Saints, if you want to take home that championship again. And, you know, coming back to the Grand Fury as well for games three, four, and potentially six, um, the Saints fans have been unbelievable, as you know, every single year, um, especially in the tail end of that Sherwood Park series. The building was absolutely packed. The atmosphere in there is, is unbelievable. So home ice will play a factor, but, uh, you know, the team that's going to win the series is going to have to get one done on the uh, opposing team's ice surface. Brandon Ewan Cheshire, the uh, voice of the uh, Spruce Grove Saints, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, setting up the AJHL final, uh, the schedule, pretty tight one. You got back-to-backs this weekend in Brooks, Friday, Saturday, then uh, the return game three and four on Monday, Tuesday, uh, and then you get a couple of days off before you get back at it again if uh, games five, six, and seven are necessary. But uh, five games, or four games rather, in five days, I mean, it's equal for both teams, uh, of course, but uh, that's a lot of hockey in a very short period of time. Yeah, you're correct, and I mean... The schedule has been like that ever since the start of the postseason. The schedule has looked exactly the same um, for us. We only had home ice advantage in round number one, so we're always on the road to start games one and two. Um, I think part of that is to make sure we're on the same track with the BCHL, the lineup for the Bill Cup. Um, But I think the coaching staff and the management staff has done a good job this weekend in sending the guys down a day early and allowing them to stay that extra night after the game on Saturday and drive back rested on Sunday to be rested for, like you said, a game on Monday and Tuesday. So we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, your young kids are in good shape. But uh, you, no matter who you look at, no matter what level, it is a tough schedule no matter what. Now, uh, for casual fans who uh, might not uh, follow the, the Junior A loop as, as closely as uh, they probably should, uh, the national championship is in Brooks. So they're going to be there automatically. Uh if uh, the Saints don't win this series, do they still have a, a, another option, another avenue to get there, or are they done too? So that's the part where it gets really interesting. Um, I've asked a lot of people. I've gotten some straight answers. I've gotten some confused answers. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, the winner of the AJHL 
automatically goes to the World Cup, regardless of who it is. But if the Bandits are to win the AJ, the BCHL team will automatically be in the RBC Cup. Now, if the Saints win the AJHL, then, you know, that World Cup is a battle, meaning, you know, whoever wins that will go to the RBC Cup. Hmm. Um, personally, I don't agree with sending the Bandits to the World Cup. I don't think there's a reason. Uh, it means nothing. I would rather have some competition for, you know, both teams, both sides, both fan bases, regardless if it's Vernon or Prince George. So to the best of my knowledge, the AJ winner has to go to the Doyle Cup no matter what. If the Bandits win the AJ, the BCHL team is automatically in. Interesting. Very interesting. That uh, adds a lot of fire, uh, fuel to the fire uh, for the uh, AJHL final. Brandon, looking forward to the uh, the games. Hope I can get out and watch uh, a couple of games in Spruce Grove. Uh, at least uh, if we get the chance, the Oil Kings are uh, done for a little bit now. So I might be able to swing out there for games three and four. Appreciate your time today. Yeah, you betcha. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Should be a good series. Hopefully it's a long series, and uh, hopefully the uh, Saints find a way to get to the RBC Cup this year, uh, whatever uh, sort of a channel that an avenue they have to take to make that happen. Uh, hopefully it happens. It would be great to see both of these clubs at the RBC Cup. A number of these players will move on uh, from the Alberta Junior Hockey League and play Division I NCAA hockey, and that's where we're headed with the final segment of uh, the episode this week as the NCAA National Tournament wraps up. The Frozen Four kicked off yesterday. There are two games, and the National Championship is set uh, for Saturday. We preview the final, and we look at the last night's games as well. Dave Starman from ESPN and CBS Sports Network. He's my guest next here on the Pipeline Show. Minnesota Duluth gets it again. Tynan goes out of there on a terrific call. Third power play of the game for the Bulldogs. Fontaine dropped it in the middle. Great pass. Conley scores! Mike Conley power play goal! Somebody shut the door! Ladies and gentlemen, from Calgary, Alberta, Mike Conley, University of Minnesota Duluth National Championships 2011, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Ah, you babes all about your Madison shoes. We got a thing we call the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues, baby. The Rockaway of Blues. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Joe Pavelski. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Johnny Gaudreau. And Tori Krupp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! 